Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's Today Explained. I'm Noel King. We're going to get caught up on a story that's been developing in Texas. It starts with the state's attorney general. A couple weeks ago, Ken Paxton wrote a legal opinion about transgender children and the medical care that some of them receive. Saying that gender reassignment surgeries and the use of drugs like puberty blockers can legally constitute child abuse. Four days later, Governor Greg Abbott directed the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate the parents of trans kids who are getting what's known as gender-affirming care. Now, the big question was, would an agency whose stated mission is to protect children from abuse follow the governor's order and investigate parents who are getting them care? We called Lauren McGaughy. She's an investigative reporter with the Dallas Morning News. She covers government accountability, criminal justice, and LGBTQ issues. Our early reports are that several parents of transgender children have been visited by Child Protective Services and have been questioned. It's unclear at this time whether there's been any further action. We have not heard about a child being taken. We have not heard of that happening, but several parents have been and are being actively investigated according to those parents. Lauren, can you walk us through how this works? Let's say that I'm a parent and I believe my child needs gender-affirming care. What does that term actually mean? What does it entail? Most people under the age of 18 who are dealing with gender dysphoria, who believe that they are transgender, will receive only counseling. So a parent and a child will go to their doctor. They'll talk about what the appropriate kind of care might be. And most children who are dealing with this receive talk therapy, what you or I might do if we needed to talk to someone, go to a therapist. The next step is or can be social transition, which is starting to live in their own gender. Um, This could look like introducing themselves by a different name, different pronoun, or dressing differently. Among other treatments is receiving some kind of a medical treatment like puberty blockers or hormone therapy. And those create mostly reversible changes in a minor's body. This could be something like a voice might get deeper or someone might uh, 
grow more hair or less hair because they're on hormone therapy. The misinformation around gender-affirming care for trans kids that you'll hear a lot from Republican politicians is that they say that people are being castrated, that there are actual surgeries happening on children. And, you know, that that's a scare tactic. Um, the WPATH, which is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, says that surgery is not recommended until a patient has reached the legal age of maturity to give consent for something like that and has lived continuously for a year in their gender role. So let's talk a bit about hormone therapy. My understanding based on what you said is, let's say a child who has not yet gone through puberty says, I am transgender, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. A doctor might give that child puberty blockers in order to prevent that child from maturing into a gender that that child believes is not their gender. Is that essentially how it works? Yes. So puberty suppressants are drugs that cause a temporary pause in someone's puberty by blocking sex hormones like testosterone or estrogen. This was created originally for kids that were having really early onset puberty, but weren't trans. So this was a, this was a type of treatment that would, was already being used for some children. Oh. So yeah, so it was being used in other children that were experiencing early onset puberty. Puberty suppressants are also reversible, which means that when you stop taking them, the puberty will restart and continue at a normal rate. So some adolescents in collaboration with their support team and treatment team might begin to pursue um, hormone therapy. And hormone therapy is really, it's different for every person. Um, You know, it's mostly reversible for many people, um, but it really depends on what kind of hormones they're taking and how early they take those hormones. So there's varying research on on that. You know, there are indications that hormone therapy may have an effect on long-term fertility, especially if it started at a very young age. Um, but again, these are conversations and, and research that's happening now, and um, we're only really starting to have a good understanding of how this affects people long-term. Is gender-affirming care beyond just talk therapy difficult to get? Does a child walk into the doctor and say, I was born the wrong gender, I want to be a boy, I am not a girl, and then immediately get hormones or puberty blockers? There are not many doctors who consider this a specialty of theirs. Hmm. And so if a if a parent is dealing specifically with this, their best case for having the full range of options open to them is to go to a doctor that considers this a specialty. Here in Texas with these new threats against this care from some of the most powerful politicians in the state, there are concerns that doctors will not be willing to provide that care, provide those options if they're concerned that they may be targeted. We've received emails from parents of transgender children who are very frightened. Um, We've heard uh, already reports of families with transgender children leaving the state, uh, moving away because they are concerned about being targeted. Is the idea that a doctor would tell on me, the parent, a teacher would tell on me. Who is reporting me in this scenario? 
So, you know, oftentimes individuals who report uh, allegations of child abuse, their identities are not public. But individuals like teachers are required under state law to report allegations of child abuse. So there is a concern that certain teachers might feel pressured to tell CPS that they are aware of a transgender child that they're connected to who is receiving gender-affirming care. I'm not saying that that's what teachers are going to do, but they may feel some pressure given that they are statutorily required to report child abuse. Doctors as well. There's an interesting thing that's happened here. The doctors are the ones who prescribe puberty blockers to a child. And yet, the governor is saying, investigate the parents. Although I imagine there are plenty of people who don't think any investigation is warranted here, why target parents and not doctors? Well, I think last year, lawmakers tried to pass a bill that would have changed the definition of child abuse to include this care. They did not succeed. And so a lot of political watchers are looking at the governor's order and the attorney general's opinion as an end run around that failure. This is a way through more of an administrative action through state agency actions to try to target gender affirming care for transgender kids. And CPS, Child Protective Services, their most direct connection is with the parent. What's interesting is doctors uh, some doctors are already pushing back and saying that as a doctor, they are also required under law to report child abuse, but they believe that gender-affirming care is appropriate for trans kids, and they don't think that it's child abuse. So reporting that actually violates their ethical obligation to do the best for their patient. This is not yet a law. Could it become a law? It could. It could. It could. The legislature meets again in 2023. If lawmakers wanted, they could try to change the law and put this directly into statute. Or if it goes into the courts and finishes up in court, the court could also come down and decide whether this is truly child abuse or not. So those are the only two ways that will actually have a, you know, a, a real ending, a real outcome to this argument is through the courts or through the state legislature. The ACLU and Lambda Legal sued immediately. And then yesterday there was another development. A district court judge in Travis County granted a restraining order. So for now, the investigations will stop, although it's certainly not clear whether that's going to ease the minds of parents and kids who could be affected by this. But what does the lawsuit say? So, uh, Lambda Legal and the ACLU of Texas went to court in Travis County um, to try to stop an investigation into a Child Protective Services employee. So an employee who works for the Department of Family and Protective Services, which is the umbrella agency over CPS, has a transgender child. And that employee was put on administrative leave, according to the lawsuit, and is now suing because of this, this particular policy. My goodness. So one of the first people targeted by this is a person who is employed by the agency that has been directed to do the investigations? That's correct. Wow. 
How are people in Texas viewing this order? There are some individuals on the very conservative side that agree that gender-affirming care for trans kids should be defined as abuse. And then there's a lot of people uh, who have transgender children or know a trans kid who thinks that this care is absolutely vital and life-saving. Um, what I think is important to note is politics is going to be divisive. There's always going to be people on either end of an issue, especially one like this. But the medical community, they all support appropriate care for transgender children, including puberty blockers and hormone treatments. So in addition to the AMA, the APA, all of the national groups, the groups in Texas whose job is to determine what care is appropriate for people all support age-appropriate gender-affirming care for trans children. Support for Today Explained comes from Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile is so cheap that Mint Mobile knows you think there must be a catch. Mint Mobile says no, there is no catch. And for a limited time, their wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer and a new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just $15 a month, you can go to mintmobile.com slash explained. That's mintmobile.com slash explained. You could cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explained. There's a $45 upfront payment that's required that's equivalent to $15 a month. This is for new customers on their first three-month plan only. Speeds are slower above 40 gigabytes on an unlimited plan, and additional taxes, fees, and restrictions do apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Support for Today Explained comes from Ramp. This ad goes out to all the finance professionals looking for love. I'm just kidding. Looking for a better way to simplify business finance across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting. And to all the accountants tired of the same old finance software, Ramp may be the answer you've been looking for. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. So what does that mean? Well, according to Ramp, they give finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spending. Issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions. Automate expense reporting so you don't waste time. Ramp says its accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so that you don't have to. That could put an end to chasing down receipts and to your employees spending hours submitting expense reports. And now you can get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC. Terms and conditions do apply. Lauren McGaughy, investigative reporter with the Dallas Morning News. Um, a thing I have been very curious about. When did lawmakers in Texas begin to train their attention on transgender children and on writing laws that would affect them? And I ask because 
it would seem that this is a very small population, and yet lawmakers almost seem fixated on on trans issues. Was there a big bang moment when suddenly you noticed this as a reporter becoming an issue? There was. A huge cheer, then singing as the decision reaches the crowd out front. The Supreme Court case legalizing gay marriage across the nation. The historic ruling struck down the bans on same-sex marriage still in effect in 14 states, all of them in the South and the Midwest. At that point, you know, many conservative politicians, conservative legal scholars believed that they had lost on the gay marriage issue. And so the attention was redirected towards the trans community. After that gay marriage ruling, we saw legislatures in states like Texas trying to pass uh, bathroom bills. Remember that whole fight uh, several years ago? State Representative Ron Simmons authored a House version requiring public school students to use the bathroom of the gender on their birth certificate. This is legislation that would have blocked trans people from using the bathrooms that conform to their gender identity. How do you balance someone's right as a transgender child or person with the rights of other people that say, you know what, I respect that and I don't want to degrade that, but I also don't want my children sharing changing changing rooms and locker rooms with people of the opposite biological sex. In Texas, there was a huge fight over the bathroom bills. They failed. They were not passed. And after that failure, we saw a shift in attention to trans kids. The first bills that were kind of the primary focus were the trans sports bills. The Texas Senate has passed a bill restricting transgender youth from playing on sports teams consistent with their gender identity. And then more recently, we've seen this attention on access to health care for trans kids. So there has been this focus on the trans community for several years now, and more recently it's come, the focus has shown a lot more brightly on trans kids. It seems to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, has this become one of those issues that in practice affects very few people and is a very personal thing between and among families, children, parents, their loved ones. But it seems as if it's been made into a political issue that almost everybody feels as though they have to have an opinion on. I can agree with that. I mean, it's a litmus test issue. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the litmus test issue might have been gay rights, might have been gay marriage. Now the issue is the rights of transgender people and even more minutely the rights of trans kids and the parents of trans kids. While it does affect a technically a small number of people, we have to remember that for every trans kid, there's a guardian, there are siblings, there's an extended family, there are teachers, there are friends. And so the ripple effects for who, you know, might be emotionally affected by an issue like this go far beyond the trans person themselves. But yes, the most dire consequences of targets like this do fall on that individual. And it does happen to be, you know, a very, very small number of people having to deal with this burden. Do you think this attempt by Governor Abbott and by other Republican legislators, do you think that Healthcare for trans youth is going to continue to be something that Texans will hear about and will see litigated 
and will have to have opinions on almost certainly because it is it is in front of them all the time? Well, that's a good question. We will know <laughs> in the future. Tuesday, March 1st was election day in Texas, primary election day. And Governor Abbott won his primary campaign outright. He's not going into a runoff. Political observers in Texas believe that this issue of healthcare for trans youth became such a flashpoint because Texas politicians, Republicans were dealing with their first real competitive GOP primary season in a long time. So we had people like Governor Greg Abbott being pressured by people from within his party to move in a more conservative direction on these issues. Now that Greg Abbott has won his primary, it will be seen whether he continues to aggressively push this issue, pursue it in the courts and more. While Abbott won his primary, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who actually issued the opinion that this whole thing was based on, did not win his primary outright. He is going into hmm. a runoff with another Republican, um, George P. Bush of the Bush family. And because the Republican primary is now gone to a runoff in at least one of the major statewide races for attorney general, this issue could remain at the top of the political conversation for at least a few more months. I think there's a temptation to look at Texas and say, that's just Texas. Texas is different in a lot of ways. When you look at Texas from where you sit in Austin, do you look around at the rest of the country and think, uh-uh, this is not just Texas. This could very easily spread beyond Texas to many states in the country. I do believe that where Texas goes, oftentimes other red states follow. Uh, we have seen that with other issues. We have seen Texas kind of set the bar on a conservative issue, and then other states have followed suit, either with what their state legislatures are focusing on or what elected officials focus on. Sometimes I, I see that coming out of Florida, too, kind of Florida hmm. and Texas being places to watch. Um, you could say the same for California and New York for uh, liberal policies. You know, where those these are huge states, they're very populous, and they lead on these issues. Lauren McGaughy, investigative reporter with the Dallas Morning News, thank you so much for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Today's show was produced by Halima Shaw with help from Hadi Moagdi. It was edited by Matthew Collette, engineered by Paul Mounsey, and fact-checked by Laura Bullard. I'm Noelle King. Today Explained is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network.